Let me set up the scene. This morning, I wake up 6.30. A little bit late. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm used to getting up at you, 6. You're supposed to do it like, like, scene, like, you know, you're like, like, sun is setting. Okay, okay. But, right, let's you know try. what I mean? Okay. So, Danny. All right, so <laughs> let me tell you how this goes. Okay. So the sun is coming up over the Puget Sound, and it's just a glorious ray of sunlight casting in a shadow onto the bed that wakes my right. eyes. Now like, you got mm. me. Okay, so I'm waking up a little bit late. I'm rushing to make a good brew, okay? I'm rushing to make Heather a good brew at the same time. I'm rushing to press all my shirts. I have some recordings today, and I rush in to the bedroom, kiss Heather goodbye. I got to go. I'm running late. I run out of the house. I'm halfway to the bus stop where I got to get picked up and I reach into my pocket and no cell phone. I forgot it in the house, but the bus is coming. I can't turn around. I can't go back and I'm naked. I am basically naked right now without my cell phone. Dude, you're like, it's like you, it's like your lifeline. It's amazing to understand that I mean, I spent the entire summer in Russia by myself as a 15-year-old with no cell phone, wandering around Moscow, just like, just doing my thing, you know, just like, hey, I'm going to stop at this grocery store and grab something. Am I worried that someone might think I'm 15, 20 minutes late? NBD, I don't care, right? It's so weird, the level of anxiety we now live in because we're supposed to be constantly available, like... We don't have to be constantly available, but we're supposed to be, and that's the expectation. It's it's weird, right? It it's very strange, and I'll tell you that while I've I've actually gone through in the last week since we recorded, and I've turned off all notifications on my phone unless a human being is calling me right. or texting me. So all email, all app notifications, turning everything off, and I feel really good about that. But then today. I just started freaking out because I don't wear a watch and I have no idea what time it is. And I don't know when any of my meetings are. And I'm like, oh, like my cell phone's number one purpose is not to get my email or check Twitter. It is to tell me what time it is. Right. It's it's crazy. The whole thing is crazy. Honestly, I I'm really glad you brought this up, but I don't have much to offer besides we're all crazy. So. We're all crazy. Well, you're back. You're back home. It sounds we're like you made it. Um, from the, the big CR. Yes. Costa Rica's. How was yeah. it? It was great. Honestly, it was, it was, uh, I'm, I'm a little shell shocked coming back to the world, uh, that is, you know, my four kids, my super demanding job, my whatever. And I'm, and I'm a little, today's one of those days where yesterday was, was fine. It was, it was the first day of work back. It was Monday. Of course, I'm completely overwhelmed by the amount of things that I sort of punted on while I was out of the country for a week. But, but I, but I kind of know that. So you know when you know you're starting the day behind the eight ball, you sort of take this Zen approach. Like I'm gonna get to whatever I can get to, and you know what? It's gonna be great because that's what I got to. And there's no today was not that day. Today, today I you are talking to a stressed out, slightly overwhelmed. Dear God. What's happening? Could I can I just shut my eyes and go back to the beach, Danny? That's who you're talking to today. It's uh, I've I know what you're going through. I've I've been here, and in fact, it's it's often not the day that you get back because that day is I'm still kind of decompressing, and everyone's welcoming me back, and everything. Everybody's having fun. Everyone's oh, how was Costa Rica? How was the trip? How was everyone's interested? And then day two, day three, no one's interested anymore. Right. Why haven't they, you finished the TPS report for me? Did you get the memo? 
Uh, did, did you get, get the, the memo? TPS I, report. It's due. It, yep. It's due. And we need it yesterday. Right. <laughs> so uh, is, is it the the world of chess around you is breaking down? Is it is it yeah, a fallout because you were gone? Or what is happening? I mean, it's partly the world of, of chess.com around me. And, and, you know, we're dealing with some some transitions and some some things going on in regards to how we want to operate and workflow. And I'm going to prove the world wrong and and exercise something I like to refer to as holding back. And I'm actually not going to dive fully into it right now because because I just don't have many good things to say. And if I've learned anything from Bambi, I've learned don't run into a field where there's guns pointed at the prairie. No, like, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Do that. And also, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So today I'm a little frustrated with my company. I'm a little frustrated with some stuff going on. And uh, I'm a little overwhelmed. So let's let's talk about my kids. Okay, I'm ready. Hey, yes, my kids are adorbs. That's that's the good thing. Toasty adorbs. So we we came back, and Talia's waiting for us. Uh, actually, no. Okay, so we got back at at two a.m. and uh, she didn't. You know, she was asleep. Obviously, as normal kids would be who are two years old. And we I slept on the couch. Shauna's sister was staying with us and helping with the kids. So Shauna went and got in bed with her sister and Talia, and I stayed on the couch, and and it was great. But when Talia woke up. Like she literally gave us this look that had so much love in it. It it was amazing. Like then we we I went and laid with her on the bed. I'm like, hey, boo boo, like I missed you. And she puts her hand like on my chin, like she's confirming that it's me. As if her eyes weren't good enough and her fingers are gonna do the facial recognition, like final exam. And it was one of those moments where I realized like as as great of a time as we had, like I do love my kids. I probably love my kids too much. Like, cause I was just so happy to be back. So that's been the highlight of the week. And since then, things have been going downhill. <laughs> well, let's, well, I mean, well, so let's, let's literally break, break out of this funk, Danny, because while you were gone, yeah. um, I didn't, you know, you did not, you know, when my friends go out of town uh-huh. on an occasion, they will let us babysit. Usually it's, it's a, it's an animal, like a dog, okay. not necessarily maybe a human being, although we or, are or always a plant, a plant, right? Plants a, are also good to babysit. Plants are good are to babysit houses, things that you can't mess up that much unless you burn it down. But, you know, we're always here for you if you want to send you know, little 11 up here and, and, you know, do the thing. But I will say we, um, we did something while you were gone, which I knew would be a perfect topic because, well, coffee house blunders, we we have this big MVP summit going on right now. And I have quite a few people come up and enjoying the podcast, giving good feedback. And, uh, we had a great discussion today about, um, Sven from Germany. He was talking about our alpha zero, uh, discussion. We talked about it for 20 minutes. He was just, it was great. I was like, wow, people listen to this podcast. Where, where are you running into these people? I didn't think they're like unicorns. Where'd you find them? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they're just around. They're around. They, they're, they're, they're magical beings that are just here. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah. and uh, no one mentioned that they liked our movie reviews, but I don't care. Yeah. And well, we're not going to we, stop doing it. We're not going to stop doing it because you know what we did this weekend? What'd you see? We went to go see Black Panther. Okay. Okay. So here we go. So we want to start with, first of all, are you okay that I, that I pushed you to see it and you kind of broke your, I'm not going to let Marvel own me sort of stance. And secondly, then we'll dive into the controversial aspects of it. Cause I'm curious on Mott's take. Yeah. So here's what happened. 
I didn't, we discussed this. I didn't really have a plan to go see the movie. Um, it's one of those movies where I don't know anything about the world of it. Didn't really necessarily interest me all that much. I had heard amazing things, so I guess I'm going to go see it. But I did, I was like, I'll just wait for DVD release. Um, and by DVD, I mean Netflix release. You know what I mean? Right. And that said, though, um, my buddy Aaron, we were at a Sounders game, and he goes, hey, have you seen Black Panther yet? And I go, no. And he's like, I've been dying. And essentially how my movie going works, this is a, a quick tip for anybody. Uh, if you just ask me if I want to go to a movie, of course I want to go to a movie. I'm just right. not going to go to the – but you know, unless you ask me. Right. So we bought our tickets. Uh, we did a matinee on a Saturday um, got our chocolate popcorn at the Cinerama, you know, world's chocolate best. Chocolate popcorn? I don't have chocolate popcorn where I live. Oh, you don't know about the chocolate popcorn 50-50 mix at the Cinerama, the Super Cinerama in Seattle? So here's the thing about the chocolate popcorn is it is the best thing in the entire world. Um, and it, do, it you may think like chocolate popcorn, that sounds disgusting, but it is absolutely delicious. And they have pure chocolate popcorn, and it's not like – it's not as if – they're melting a Godiva bar onto the chocolate. It is an elegant, not too heavy chocolate. The mistake of going to the Cinerama is getting a bag of only chocolate popcorn. No, no, no. You need your salty with your sweet. You got to get the 50-50 Well, salty and sweet mix. have been going together ever since Chef from South Park started singing songs. So, oh, yeah. It's a match you know. made. It's a match <laughs> made. So we bought the tickets. And we went and I was super excited about it because I just love going to the Cinerama. It's just so good. I will see anything. It doesn't matter. I will go and see it because it's only one movie at a time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I legitimately uh, and Heather went with me. Uh, H Diggs, uh, H Box. Um, H- we H-Town. went H Town. Uh, we went and um, Aaron and, and his his girlfriend went as well. And we all really liked it. And, yeah. and it was worrisome because it was a little bit longer. It was two hours and 15 minutes. Right. And none of us knew anything about the Black Panther. I thought they did a fantastic job setting up the background story of this character, setting up um, the uh, world uh, that they are in in general. Kind of that it's in uh, the it's kind of in our world, but it's their um, um, d- 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 state essentially, their country right. that's there, hidden kind of state, and and setting up the the world that they were in. And actually, surprisingly, it felt like a believable world, which I thought thought was really interesting. And if people don't know anything about the Black Panther, this is no spoiler alert. The world that they build of technology is based on this metal that they find, and it unlocks some potential, which realistically isn't too completely out there you know technology comes from different bits and pieces that we put together and they've evolved a lot but they've stayed hidden and i loved i loved so much of the colors the color palette yep. of the reds and it was the greens. Candy for you. it was it was a beautiful movie the technology was beautiful but believable the i liked that they were in the real world uh and it wasn't com- like completely made up ridiculousness and it was very beautiful. And what I mean by the colors, like the lush landscapes, I was I was blown away, and it felt believable, which I really appreciate. Right. Um, and and I, I, actors were great. I thought it was the it had all the major points. It wasn't over the top. The um the like general like and her crew were just complete bad, you know, bad man badasses. They bad were bad. I'm swearing they were badasses, and I loved right. it. Putting the e on this label because they freaking destroyed and, and i like i was just sitting back i was like this is 
this is awesome, you know? And that's, I kind of had that feeling when I watched it, almost like when I watched the first Iron Man a little bit, I was like, this is awesome, you know? And I thought it was really cool. So coming out of it, we were very, very happy. And then to also realize that a lot of the actors and actresses, we started um, realizing, oh, we're like, oh, that's that person from this movie. That's this person from this movie. Um, like the one guy that was uh, from Get Out. And I was like, wow, that's so meta. We just saw Get Out. So I thought that was really, uh, really Yeah, neat. yeah. No, he's... Uh... I, I was pretty excited to see him in it too. And I, I know he's been in other movies too, but that was the first thing I've seen him in since Get Out. So as far as the, you know, what led to the unnecessary controversy of the movie in regards to some of the social messages, any, any mods feedback on the, on the social messages? What were the, what were, I just, I guess that I didn't see it. I, I don't honestly think that I, I, uh, I saw it. I mean, I, I don't think there was any, I didn't see anything bad. That's yeah, what I thought. No, I mean, I thought it that. was what I shared last week. I think they were mm-hmm. just, you know, making some statements about kind of the general, uh, what is it? The, the difficulties or the position and sort of uh, the hardships that African-Americans have had to go through and sort of the responsibilities of this advanced nation to sort of step up in the global picture of things. But I think a lot of people were kind of like looking at it as like a, like a really aggressive social message as, as far as something in regards to call it, I don't know, the, the inner city, you know, what the inner, inner city African-American has to go through or something like that. That was kind of a main, a main storyline, I guess, or at least yeah, that's, what the, that's what the over the mm-hmm. critics, the critics of the social message, like, Hey, you know, we don't need every movie to have a massive social message said, but, uh, Anyway, so I think I think it's I think it's okay. I think that it's okay to have messages, and I think that it's important that we don't forget these things. and And these are um, these are real problems. And um, if a movie wants to highlight that and, and talk about it, I think that that's yeah. Why not? And this could be a superhero movie, a superhero movie. You know, I think that that's I think that's great. So I think anyone around that, I think, and I don't felt like anything was completely. F- I mean, it'd be nice if they could get back face. to real world issues we've had to face, like aliens coming through dimensions to attack Times Square. Obviously. I mean, those are the real issues. I would like if they would just t- calm down on these ridiculously imaginative storylines, like dealing with social oppression of minorities. You know, I mean, it just seems like ridiculous that Marvel would do that. Maybe they should get back to the aliens opening up portals. So that's my vote. My my favorite win was when um, uh, Watson, I forget what his real name is, the actor's name is, um, uh-huh. from Sherlock. Uh, he's an amazing actor in general. He's been in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I do realize, like that guy. Yeah, he's great. I didn't realize his role in this movie. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't actually know that he was in it at all. And then he popped up. I was like, this is great. And I really enjoyed his character. I, I, I also enjoyed the um, antagonist and, and, and as well. I thought that it was pretty, pretty interesting. Um Role. I don't know. And it was also just a fun movie to watch because it was so yeah. pretty. I think that was my favorite part. So overall, I'm really happy that I saw it, that I didn't wait Good. around. And I think everyone so should I, go I, see I it. I pushed you and then Aaron followed suit, pushing mm-hmm. you, whatever. I mean, it seems like we all had a good time. So, yeah. Well, you know, the world of uh, of of chess rolls on. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about I mean, good things going on in yeah. the chess world. Yeah, I want to know about the good things happening in the world of By the time you chess. hear this episode, if you're listening to this episode then you already know you <laughs> I don't know. if you're listening to this episode during the week of let's say march kind of 10th and on then you know that the candidates has begun which is this tournament that will decide the fate and the future of the rest of 2018 and the challenger to the throne so the candidates is going to be all the rage in march over the next couple episodes you'll obviously hear us 
kind of keeping updated. I'll keep you updated. You know how I do. You know, I want to make sure I, I'm delivering you some good content on the best games. But uh, can we, you describe really quick? Challenger. What, what does it mean to be a candidate? Because I'm looking here and on the list, right? So essentially everyone is now going to be challenging our boy Carl um, to a match because he is the current top top of the creme de la creme. And, I, and I'm on this list of who's going to be the next world chess champion. And uh, Nakamura, you know, is not a current 2018 candidate. So how do you become a candidate? So you, you, you become a candidate through a very, very overly complex somewhat political and outdated process. So if I haven't raised your expectations, then, you know, that's a you problem, all right? But let's say that the candidates, the candidacy is, well, I guess it's about as dated as our political system, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, no one really knows what goes on or who really controls who gets the nod from their particular party. But so if you go through each of these candidates, they, they were given the the nod through either a rating, a rating that they earned by a certain date, which while I guess you could say is the most fair, uh, it's, you know, compare that to like votes somebody would get in like primaries. It makes sense because the rating is the most, the most fair measurement of someone's overall chess play, overall chess strength, right? In a given time period. So if someone is rated 2,800, you know, and they've actively played 30 games that year, then they've, you know, they've, they've maintained this, you know, a very high level of chess, right? So that's, so rating is about as impartial as it can get. But the issue is that the, the timeline for the rating and sort of the cutoff date doesn't necessarily reflect who the best players are now. So that's where it gets weird, right? Because the, the top players who got in based on rating, uh, left out a couple players who are some playing some of their best chess right now, one being MBL, Maxime Bache Legrave, who was probably one of the biggest. He's number one in France. I think I've mentioned him on some podcasts. You know that I'm a big MBL fan, uh, the Frenchman with three names. And he, you could argue that of all the players in this list, besides Aronian, uh, Levon Aronian, he's probably the most deserving to be there based on his overall performance in the year 2017. But he didn't get in via rating because the ratings were decided like a really long time ago. So then if it's not by rating, what's the next section you can get in? Well, then there's the Grand Prix cycle, which is controlled by FIDE and Aegon, this sort of organization that holds the rights, holds the keys to the gate of the world championship. The problem is that in order to get invited to these candidate tournaments, there's also a certain level of politics. It's based on who the sponsors are of those tournaments. So they might pull some strings for their local guys, uh, your some of these locations are also in. I don't want to imply that they're locations that are difficult to get to, but some of the politics in in different places, whether it's Iran or or Saudi Arabia or something, there can be like some other issues, right? Where you know maybe limiting a person's ability to get there and perform. Um, and then and then the the last way you can get there is through some like global globally recognized events like the World Cup, which is another way that MVL almost got in because he made it all the way to the semifinals in the 2017 World Cup and then lost uh, and uh, to Levon Aronian, who won the World Cup, and that was how he got in. So this is a very, very qualified list. I don't mean to imply that at all. And I think there's um, some some truly, I think everybody there is is truly deserving. And if you ask, Max, ask Maxime, he would say the same thing, that you know even if he was chosen, that means you would have to look at this list of eight players and who do you take out? They all had great years or did well in these FIDE cycle events or, or earned it via the rules of the rating cutoff. Um, but 
you know, like someone like Kromnik got in purely because he was he's a wild card, which means he was basically chosen by somebody who probably has a hand in helping to fund this event, which is okay. Uh, That's normal. And I am actually not against the commercial, you know, obviously my company is the, you know, we're, we represent big chess in many ways and take heat on it for the, inter- you know, t- heat because of it on the internet all the time. I mean, we provide the biggest money events online and obviously we're trying to provide a path for commercialization and for the best players in the world to to maybe, you know, have a, have a sustainable, you know, viable living online. And I have no shame in that. So I'm, I appreciate the sponsorship, but it is a little strange when you're talking about like that. I think even Magnus has been outspoken that we all wish there was a little more, I don't know, I wish it was a little bit more clear exactly how, and he, you know, the world championship is decided. And he's even been a proponent that he wishes like the whole world championship was like a world cup cycle, like, which would, which doesn't really benefit him because he stands to benefit the most. And that someone has to beat him in a match, not in like a, a tournament with like a hundred people where, you know, there could all be a lot of crazy things that happen. Right. So, um, all that said, the candidates tournaments do bring you the highest quality chess. Sometimes that means boring chess because these guys are the most deeply prepared chess players on the planet and there's a lot to lose. So they don't want to risk it, especially in the early rounds. So you will see some peaceful results. But as far as if you're just talking about the quality of the games and you don't care about the result, you just appreciate the depth of their understanding and the appreciation of making the most accurate move, even if that leads to a draw, then the candidates tournament is a two week, two and a half week spectacle of some of the highest quality chess you you get to see over any two-year period. And whoever wins this tournament in March, everybody, we'll include, include a link to it in the show notes, will be challenging Magnus Carlsen in London in November for the 2018 World Championship. So, yeah, and, so politics aside, list, it's going to be a pretty here, gonna, exciting event. I want to run it down because I want to do my best on these names. Uh, so these were essentially... Wait, everybody buckle up. This is going to be fun. Here we go. <laughs> um, so I, I'm actually on the... the I want to make sure I have the right eight because there's eight people and I, I'm on the chess.com where there was the vote for the top yep. eight and who will win. Okay. So uh, Sergey Karyakin. Uh, wow, look at you. You've actually come a long way already. I mean, Karyakin. Karyakin. Okay, remember, tip as we go. In the Soviet sort of Slavic language, there is no ass sound. So stay with the Oz. Trust your instincts. Sergei Karyakin. I love it. Number two. Sergei Karyakin. Levon Aronian. I mean, uh, it's actually, I mean, like, I say Aronian as well. It's Aronian. If I were speaking like pure uh, uh, Levon Aronian, like you would almost sort of roll it and it would be Aronian, like as if it's a yawn, not like I'm yawning, like, oh, go to sleep, Ar- right? Aronian. But Aronian mm. is totally acceptable. Awesome. Got let's it. let's Let's keep going. Ding Loren. Dingli Ren. Yeah, that's Chinese. I don't know that I'm, I can't pretend to be an expert pronouncing uh, Chinese names, but uh, Dingli Ren, I think it's Li Ren, is one of the most interesting people in this event because he's China's great hope at this point for a potential world championship. But um, by most experts' opinions, he's, he's the weakest player in this field and he's never played in a super tournament of this level. So I will go on record as saying I do not expect Ding to fare too well in this event. So, all right, cool. Continue. Yeah, that, that said, Ding does have the lowest amount of votes, so... Yes. But barely. This is going to be a fun one. So, Shakahira. Okay. Mabada Yorov. Okay. You did great. You added a little unnecessary... You added some wrong emphasis on the wrong syllables. So, it's Shakir. Shakir. Mamadyarov. 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 Ah, it's literally how it's... Mamed Yarov. Yep. Shakir. I love it. And you, you could, you could, 
You could also pronounce the I slightly in the first name, like Shakir, but it's Shakir Mamadyarov. Shakir, Shakir Mamadyarov from Azerbaijan. Now, he is one of the most exciting players in this field. So if you're a newbie to chess, Mamadyarov plays a very ambitious brand of chess. Um, he's many people's favorites. They call him the Shak. Uh, the I shock. call him the Shak. Uh, but Shakir Mamadyarov, like Azerbaijani. And this is also fun because I'm I'm learning a lot about each of them. I know Sergey and Aronian, uh, uh, and I don't, a lot of these are new to me as well. I mean, I've heard the names, but I like the breakdown because it's very important. So Alexander, not Hamilton. Okay, that's a trick. That's a trick. Grishuk. Alexander Grishuk, uh, nicknamed Sasha. Uh, Grishuk is oh, Grishuk is one of my favorite players. Grishuk. I actually really like some, uh, Uncle Sasha, but okay. Uh, Sa- uh, Alexander Grishuk. Yep, that sounds good. Perfect. Alexander Grishuk. Fabiano Karyuanan. Cra- just Car just Carwana. Fabiano Carwana. Wow. Yeah. So when people say Montemagno, they're like, oh, how do you say that? I'm like, it's Monte Magno. It's exactly how it's spelled. Sometimes it is. Wesley So. That one's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, Vladimir Kromnik. Vladimir. Remember, because if we're really going Russian, it's no ass with uh, Vladimir Kromnik. Yeah. So Vladimir. Here's the thing about Kromnik, as much as I sort of went on my small rant about the politics and, and the wild card choosing that left guys like Nakamura or MBL or Anishkiri out in the cold, uh, Kromnik is totally deserving to be there. Kromnik is a former world champion. He was the one who dethroned Gary Kasparov back in 2000, uh, ironically, in London. So if he was to win the, the candidates and get back to playing Carlson, it would be in London. Um Kromnik held the title until he was dethroned himself by Vishwanathan Anand. You know him as Vishy Anand from India. And he uh, and Vishy Anand eventually held the title until Carlson beat him. So, so Kromnik is... I will go on record as saying this. I, I don't know that I see him as the favorite of winning this event. But I would say that of all the players in this field, I believe Kromnik has the best chance to beat Magnus Carlson in a match. I think he's the one player who's been there. And if if Big Vlad gets there, by the way, they call him Big Vlad because he's 6'5". He's a tall guy. Ooh. If Big Vlad gets there, I I will be on the edge of my seat as to whether Kromnik can, can really mount some serious threats to Carlson in a world championship match format. Because that sort of heavyweight battle is something that Kromnik, I mean, Kromnik dethroned the greatest match player in our in the modern generation, who was Gary Kasparov, who held the title, you know, since 85. And, and so... Um, that would be an interesting one for me, even though I was critical of Kromnik even being there. He, uh, he's one to keep an eye on. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, uh, I'm looking at the survey here as well. And, and Aronian, uh, Aronian has, uh, definitely the top pick as you kind of discussed and, and, you know, Kromnik, he's definitely up there as well. I think that my pick, here's my pick prediction 2018. Uh, I really think that the young gunner Wesley. So has, uh, I've watched, I've watched some, some Wesley so and I think that um, this young gunner out there he may be able to mix it up a little bit I think that he I think he is one of the youngest players am I correct here? absolutely or, he is yeah yep. 24 I want to say is that correct 25 uh, <laughs> you are adorable right now keep I love the prediction keep going uh, I really think that sometimes you can't predict, you can't, you can't see him coming. And I think Wesley may just put a zinger in there. He's going to pull like a little alpha zero where yeah. if you're watching Danny and you're like, there's no reason. This is my favorite. When I watch the alpha zero reviews, Danny goes, there is no, no person, no one ever has played this move. And there's no reason that anyone would do it. And I kind of think that Wesley may just zing it in there and just, 
pull a fast one over everybody. And that's my prediction for the 2018 candidates tournament. I okay. think Wesley So, my boy, um, because you know why? Only, only because my main man Nakamura is yeah. not in, and I yeah. think that's the reason. You know, I would be all in on the Nakamura because not Nakamura is just. He's amazing. I love him. I love not only his play style, but I love his personality. I mean, don't get me wrong. Carl, Magnus Carlson, definitely um, just a lovely individual. But what's interesting about this entire tournament is that, remember, I watched Magnus. You told me to watch the documentary Magnus way back in the day. And everyone should go do that. And you will see the type of play that Danny is talking about uh, in that movie. So I'm actually really excited for this uh, to actually watch this this extremely high caliber. So I'm so used to in the last year that we've been doing blunders nearly a year now, we've been focused so much on rapid. Like we talk about rapid all the time. And this is that time where it goes back down to the creme de to the, the creme. old school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OTB yeah. over the board. B. Am no I allowed play to drop no like a, a, mo- a mofo after that? OTB. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you don't have to say your pick because I know you're, you know, chess.common and I want predictions to be no, kind of no, threw some I, out I there. I want to go on record. This is, this is good. Like who will challenge Carl? I mean, uh, first of all, I really like your soap. I think so is a, is a fan, is a fan, a secret fan pick. I think Aronian, as we've said, is, is, I, I said, I think he had probably the best year last year of anybody whose name wasn't Carl Magnuson. Um, and, uh, Aronian has a bit of a, of a, of a rap about holding up with, with his nerves. Um, I think Karyakin, remember Karyakin won the candidates in 2016, which is why he challenged Magnus. And in large part, he really showed the best nerves in some of the critical moments and, um, you know, games that come down to time pressure and time scrambles and, and players are tired and, and uh, with a lot on the line. So Aronian, I think, is many people's favorite because of that. But Wesley is kind of a trendy pick. And uh, it's amazing to me that we're not talking at all about really Fabiano, who uh, in the 2016 candidates, uh, for those all of you listening to this podcast, of course, you guys are huge chess buffs. So you know that the other person who was close to winning that was Caruana. And he was edged out by Karyakin, um in a game where Caruana, um, you know, um, I'll say a game before that where Caruana was unable to win in winning position and that sort of allowed Karyakin to creep in. So, you know, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to go on record and say that my pick to win is, is, is going to be Vladimir Kromnik, actually. I, I think that, I think that he's, he's going to surprise people and, uh, and that he's, he's going to, he's going to give us a thrilling match against, against Magnus, against Carl in 20, uh, in November 2018. So, well, you know, we're uh, we're all gonna we got we got to include a link in the show notes here to the documentary Magnus because if you guys haven't seen that and you know maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a, a chess breakdown of any kind of tournament I would recommend you see that so you see what all of these players are playing for the chance for that sort of heavyweight boxing match the 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 big the big the big Kahuna as they say yeah and I think I think it's 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 at a whole other other level it's very reminds me of the FIFA World Cup it's almost to that caliber but this happens every year. And I think the only thing with Wesley so that I'm intrigued is to see what you're saying is seeing how the pressure of the days and the longevity of these matches, how uh, Wesley can can keep that up. And, and I'm interested. I think uh, I'm rooting for him. That the, uh, yeah, in general, that's, that's that's the thing where you look at some of these other players, like you're saying, have 
gone through. I'm not, I mean, no means a chess master, but, you know, just listening to an international chess master, um, you know, and, and the knowledge that you bestow upon me each yeah. and every week <laughs> and day that those are the things that I think about is, you know what, is it's what's going to happen. Actually, I, I joke, we, we kid about, about your, but I think you're making, I think you're totally right on. And I actually think that you've heard and know enough about this that I think, you know, everything you're saying makes total sense. And Honestly, even if I know a little more about chess, it doesn't make me any better at predicting these things. I'm, you know, one of the things that's funny is like at the end of the event, if somebody wins, you'll be like, well, of course that person won because they played the best chess. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen, right? It, it, um, or maybe there'll be some things about it's a double round robin, which means they will play every player in the field will play the other player in the field with both colors. So you really see it's like a seven game, you know, um, seven game series in the NBA where most of the time with that many games and that many opportunities, the best player should win. That doesn't mean that they're better than them for the end all be all, but certainly over that period of time, you know, you have, you have time for your form to rise and, uh, and we'll see who has the best prep. And man, this is, this is the most in depth you and I have maybe, I mean, we are, we are far down that rabbit hole, buddy right now. Well, you know, this podcast is called Coffee House Blunders, and someone asked me today, and they go, "What is your podcast about?" And I go, uh, uh, "That's a great question. <laughs> um, it's often, sometimes about coffee. chess, and sometimes about coffee, and sometimes about technology. And in the title, that's what it says. And sometimes it's about Danny's cute, adorable kids and right. life, and and uh, movies. It's about Mats's travel and." <laughs> Him and him and H Low and uh, and the world that is the, the the Seattle hipster life, right? I mean, exactly. It it really doesn't have a purpose, and that's what gives it so much purpose. So exactly. um, notice how you can say that about anything. I really don't have a plan, and that's exactly why it's the best plan. Like you can like say that about anything. It's really not a great podcast, which is what makes it a great podcast. Exactly. So, oh well, my goodness, I think. Uh, I think we can wrap it up right there. I will say, I will, I will bring one thing to a close. I had a coffee experience that was less than ideal because I went to get my new blue bottle that came. It was, um, I'm sure you're, you're, you're sipping on the same delicious Joe. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's, I just want to say like Papagayo awesomeness. We'll call it Papagayo awesomeness. Um, so I'm sipping on some Papagayo awesomeness, uh, this week, but to start, I went, I got up this morning early and I, and I ground down my beans. I went to Grindtown. And I went to pour it into my December coffee dripper, and uh -oh, I realized uh -oh. that my mother-in-law had left grinds in the thing from from a Starbucks, kind of like the you know the dark burnt Starbucks roast that they go for, right? So I had dumped the brand new Papagayo Osamio in with this, and it ruined my first cup of coffee of this new bag. And I don't blame Kathy. I don't blame anybody. Totally my fault. I should have checked. She was there helping with the kids. I was off in, you know, you know, Costa Rica all week. But it, you know, that was, have you ever done that? Have you ever accidentally mixed Joes that were never me meant to be mixed? There was uh, there was one time uh, I I did this where I, I ground some coffee and I didn't need as much of the grind. So I left some of them there. Ah, you overgrind it. I overground yeah, gr I grinded too, too far too many. But this certain stance was be it was because I was at the bottom of the barrel. Okay. And when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you just dump them all in, you grind them all up, and then you start putting it in. You're like, that's ah, way too many, too many grinds. So then a few days had passed, and then just like that, I opened up a new bag, poured some in, blended the worlds together, 
and it was not an ideal situation, let's just say. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't the worst situation because they were both were blue bottle varieties. But now we're mixing all sorts of different flavor tones that were not meant. And additionally, right. that's kind of what happened to me. Most of those grinds also not only were your grinds in a bad state to begin with, but then they were in very bad, bad shape because they were sitting out just exposed to so much air that who knows really what you're sipping on anymore. <laughs> They're exposed to air and like, you know, it just, it changes everything when we, you know, fungi and, you know, probably microscopic like cat hairs floating in the air. These, uh, you know, it's just, honestly, it's terrible. It's- Let me give you at the same time to change your whole um, experience around, by the way, we just got an email from uh, this has just happened the other day. Um, our good friends over at December uh, Coffee, okay, uh, with a gasket update. Yes, the same gaskets that we've been talking about for four months. They are ready yes. to start shipping in April. You know what's funny is I <laughs> feel like I've just gotten so used to it. I know where it overflows a little bit, and I'm totally good yeah. with it. I mean, I I still obviously I'm super appreciative of their invention and of of Mott's hitting me with this Kickstarter, but but I am. I it will be. You know what I'm gonna do. I'm a double December. I'm going to invite people over just so I can double December drip double with my December old school drip, and my new school. <laughs> so the, the gaskets are coming in. We'll get them out and then we can re-review it. Because I have a review up and I have a YouTube video of a review of, of the December coffee dripper, by the way. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's nice that they continue to at least give updates. And that's how a Kickstarter should work, you know, um, and it's pretty nice. I, I'm pretty, pretty into it. But anyways, that's about it. Um, I'm pretty excited. I'm glad that we, we got real deep into chess. This is the deepest, uh, chess. We alpha zeroed this, uh, deeper. uh, We went, we went deeper than any chess hole should go. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, and on that note, let's wrap it up. Tell everyone, Hey, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast application. Uh, you know, if you're out there using Overcast, there's a few of you out there, some new subscribers. I uh, appreciate that. We we ran some uh, cool ads. So hopefully you subscribe to that. Let us know what you think of the show by going to blunders.fm, sending us an email. If you're using Overcast, you can hit the little star. Yeah. What's cool with that is all of your Twitter followers will also find the podcast. Uh, and if so it happens do that. to be Overcast, wherever you are, you can use Overcast whilst it is Overcasted with clouds and listen to our podcast. Exactly. And then share it with the world. If you're on uh, iTunes, you can just leave us a review. You can um, also just, you know, yeah, just uh, say hi to us on Twitter at James Montemagno at Daniel Wrench. I do love people saying hi. It's like. Oh, it's good. I love it. Yeah. And that's it, buddy. Um, I miss you. I'm glad that you're home safe. I'm glad that all the kids are good and everyone's good. So I can't wait to uh, chat with you next week. Ditto. Love you. (laughs) Love you too. Bye.